the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today, we begin a brand new series, simply entitled, Don't Waste Your Life. We'll be in Philippians chapters 1, 2, and 3. As we move forward, make it a point to join us. Your life is a life that has been planned out. It's orchestrated, and it's directed by God. He has that amazing plan for your life. The challenge for you and I is not to waste our life, not to avoid that plan. Welcome to today's broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. We begin a series simply entitled, Don't Waste Your Life, and it's out of the book of Philippians. If you'll join us, we'll catch up with Pastor Phil in chapter 1, verses 18 through 26. Here's Pastor now with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Turn, if you will, to Philippians chapter 1. And let us read it, beginning at uh, verse 18. And the way the NIV breaks up the paragraph, we'll just begin right there. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ... What has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress And joy in the faith, so that through my being what you, again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. May God add his blessing to his word. If you live to be 70 years of age, you will have lived 25,550 days. That means if you're 35 now, you've got 12,775 days left if God gives you 70 years. It's not very long to take in a rather long lifetime, especially the generation past. We're living longer, but that's not a whole lot of time when you really think about it. 25,000 days to do everything you're going to do before you meet God. Christianity has become very man-centered today. 
We are the self-esteem, self-help, self-motivation. We are maybe the most selfish generation in America. Most of the young people don't remember a, a, a Great Depression. They don't remember any austerities. And they've had more than any other generation in America. And you hear this as a pastor. I get all kinds of material over my desk, uh, advertisements telling me what I should preach, telling me how I should preach, uh, uh, what will bring people in, uh, what will uh, lose people, all of these things. And you hear these kinds of things. We must entertain them. If they're not entertained, they won't come back. People just have grown up on videos. They've grown up on this and that. They just won't hang around for a sermon. So you need to get rid of your tie, get some cutoffs, and uh, do something and entertain some way. Because they just, people must be entertained. Or uh, you hear this all the time. We must meet their felt needs. And in a culture that is being shattered and uh, diced to pieces by divorce, remarriage, rebel, rebellious children, angry children, drugs, sexual revolution, on and on, I'm telling you the felt needs of any Sunday would be overwhelming. I could never get to all of them. Everything from needing a counseling session to needing food to uh, venereal disease to how am I going to raise this baby? On and on and on. It's humongous. Or you'll hear people come, sometimes I'll be uh, seen by somebody, they'll come and say, what do you have in this place for me? And that's always a little intimidating because I just preached. And, and they kind of say, is there anything else? That's surely got more than that to offer. And after I get through, you know, hitting them in the eye or something. Uh, but what, what do you got in this place for me? What, what's in it for me? I want to tell you that Christianity is not about you, it's about him. That the Bible is not about you, it's about God. If some of you got the heaven you want, heaven would be full of mirrors to only see you. And all eternity you'd be looking in the mirrors and admiring you, your needs, your looks, your wants. But Christianity and the Bible is about God. You're the backdrop. You're the incidental. Oh, he's, he's esteemed you in a great way in that he would do something about your depravity by dying for you. But you and I are not the attraction. And the world does not revolve around us. It's about Christ. It's about eternity. Uh, it's about God's great message. Uh, and so you find people in church, uh, they've lost the wonder of God. And... Uh, they, uh, it's hard to keep up with Bible, with, with prayer. Uh, let me, uh, it goes this way, and I'll get to it later, that their Christianity has become a matter of duty and not delight. Uh, they, they go to church because that's the thing to do. You ought to do it. Good boys and good girls go to church. And I just want to go and put in my time, and a good church service is when they let you out on time, and you're not going to get out on time today, so forget it. I'm only getting started here. And so just, if you didn't eat breakfast, God help you. <laughs> Go ahead and eat that sandwich during the sermon. I don't care. I'll just keep going. We used to have a woman make the sandwiches during the sermon to feed her kids. But I'm just glad she didn't bring a hot plate. Um, 
That you, you see people that because they're so self-centered, they've lost the delight and the overflow of something bigger than themselves to talk about, to rejoice about, to sing about. It's all about them, their needs, their wants. And so God almost becomes an add-on. I had a pastor friend of mine some time back. He got a hold of me and he was big into recovery ministries, big in this, had a heart for people. But he he told me, he said, I'm afraid God has become a sideline. God has been an add-on. He's not been central in my ministry. He's just, I've always run after people, always esteemed people, their needs, but I've lost the glory of Christ, the glory of God. I'm all about this and some get helped and some don't. But I'm losing God in the midst of all of it. Let me say some basic things. You were bought by God to glorify God. 1 Corinthians 6, you were bought with a price that you might glorify God. Now, to glorify God doesn't mean to beautify. To beautify is to enhance something that's beautiful. You want to enhance it more. We don't enhance God by anything. We just want to recognize how wonderful he really is. So you've been bought for that. The Bible also assumes this, that the greatest commandment, the greatest commandment for our life and existence is, you shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body. If that is the greatest commandment, the greatest sin is to be bored with God. Is for him not to be the greatest passion and love and delight of your heart. And much of Christianity has become uh, incredibly boring, incredibly stale, because those who claim to know him are all bored to death with their God. And you see it the way they worship, the way they live. They're duty Christians. I'm here because you got to. You know what that's like? That's like coming up to my anniversary and saying, uh, uh, Carolyn, I, I just happened to order uh, these 12 beautiful roses. This is our anniversary. Here they are. And she takes them, and after the oohs and ahs, she said, oh, how wonderful. And all of a sudden I say, it's all right. It's my duty. It's our anniversary. And I, I want to continue to have good meals. <laughs> it's my duty. Now, now let me, let, let's, well, let's see the wife. It's your what? Take those roses. It's your duty. What about if I didn't have the money for roses and I stole somebody's rose, one, one, you know, my neighbor, just break one off and uh, come to her in the midst of maybe no finances or poverty and give it to her. She takes it and the gift isn't that great. And then all of a sudden she says, thank you for the rose. Then you start saying, my dear You are my delight. I cannot afford what you're worth, but I wouldn't miss this day for a thousand dollars to say what a difference you've made in my life. You've been the mother of my children, the sharer of my sorrows, the sharer of my dreams. Oh, sweetheart, it's not hard living with you. It's a privilege. It's my delight. That's what Christianity is supposed to be. God is supposed to be our delight, and we've made him our drudgery. So church, you get a bunch of folks, get excited. No, I'm not excited. 
Uh, the music, I don't like it. No, and the music doesn't like you because you don't sing it. I don't like the preaching. Too bad, we're going to preach anyway. We don't like what you teach. Find somebody to teach what you want, but they might damn your soul. For in the last days, false teachers will arise because people have itching ears and they want to be entertained. They don't want to know about God. I want us to see something here. Paul says, for me to live is. Now, I want you to fill that in. What would the is for you be? For me to live is money. For me to live is sexual liberty. Do as I please. For me to live is success. For me to live, and I'm sure there are a thousand fill-ins that would go, if we polled the human race, why are you living? I'm here talking about why people waste their lives, wasting their lives and chasing nothings. Rainbows. What Solomon said, I chased life and I got everything I thought I wanted and it was like having my hand on wind or my mouth full of gravel. I heard a pastor from Manhattan say that he meets a lot of Broadway people there. They come to a large Presbyterian church there. And he says he's met many people who are at the top of their vocation, at the top economically. And he said the sadness is the despair that they're saying, is this all it is? Where's the punch? Where's the the exhilaration? Uh, uh, The money doesn't do it. Having all the women I want, having all the men I want, going to all the best restaurants, being popular, uh, gaining all kinds of sour. I'm empty. I'm empty. I'm empty. Because you were made for something greater than yourself. You were made to worship the living and true God through Jesus Christ. Nothing, nothing can fill that void but Jesus Christ. That is why he said, I have not come to condemn you. I have come to give you life. I've come to give you what life is really about. And yet, outside the church, the story is, don't become a Christian, you'll die. The fun stops, the joy stops, have you, and they all of a sudden put up a picture of someone about the 1500s, one of the Puritans, raking hay. Don't be one of them. They can't imagine us smiling. No, no. Delight. Now, these folks are just doing that because they're earning heaven. Oh, no, no. You become addicted on this God, so he's your greatest delight. It's not just duty. It's delight. Listen to Paul. He says, for me to live is Christ, the great treasure of my life, a man highly educated, an Oxford graduate of his day, at the feet of Gamaliel, of the Jews of the tribe of Benjamin, Uh, accepted in the pharisaical order, maybe a member of the very sophisticated elite Sanhedrin, consents to the death of Stephen. And he said, everything that I counted gain in life, I now count rubbish. If I may but gain one Christ, for one Christ is worth more than a million worlds. For me to live is Christ. To die is my greatest ambition because I get to see him face to face. Don't threaten me with death because I'm anticipating seeing my God face to face. 
There's three things in the context that describes what living for Christ meant to him. Three things. Number one, it meant that his body would be used to magnify God. Verse 20. Then he goes on to say, if I continue to live in this body, I will use my body for fruitful service. And thirdly, I will use my influence for your progress in God and your delight in God, your joy in God. So three measurements of living for Christ is fruitful service, magnifying Christ in the body, and the helping of others to make progress and to have joy in knowing God. Let's look at this first one. I want Christ magnified in my body. Do you see it there? Verse 20, Christ will be exalted. The Greek word is magnified in my body. Now, you know, when you magnify something, if you use a microscope and you magnify, you take that which is minute, minuscule, and you want to bring it up so you can really see it. I remember when my daughter was taking microbiology. I remember she'd come home telling us these stories of everything that was in the air. We were scared to death to breathe. She said, Dad, do you know what's in the air? Well, man, i got to breathe. Oh, man, that's bad. She said, there's so much TB out there. There's so many viruses coming in. Well, what am I supposed to do? Oh, you just, you haven't seen through the microscope. I don't want to see. It's like the Chinese man, they put some rice underneath the microscope. And he was a, of such a belief that, you know, there were many gods and animists. And we saw all these creatures crawling around the kernel of rice. And whoa, they break the microscope. I don't want to see any more things. All that's in what I'm eating. Oh, just think if you put what you ate this week under a microscope. You'd wonder if, why you're alive. Fresh squid. You know, hog head cheese. Can't, he remember people eating hog head cheese. Carolyn's grandfather ate this stuff. There's some of you, you're that warped. I see, our, our blood puddings. I was just reading that. Let's have a little blood pudding tonight. It's kind of like tapioca pudding, you know. Just a little blood and guts. Oh, I can't imagine. I'm trying to ruin your appetite for lunch. You'll stay out around here. But he said, I want to magnify. Well, microscopes make small things big. But you know something about a telescope? If you took the Hubble Space Telescope... It does not make things bigger. It has discovered what's already big and that we weren't able to see. For years, we just thought we had the Milky Way galaxy. We didn't, we had little pinpoints out there beyond it. And all of a sudden, they discovered this Hubble Space Telescope. And that's that we have discovered there are galaxies upon galaxies upon galaxies. You see, it did make the universe bigger in actually creating it, but it brought it in view. It brought it within our grasp. Wow. Wow, there's more out there. Paul said, for me to live will be to magnify Christ. I will display him. I will show him off to my generation, to all who know me. He will be the treasure of my life. When you talk to him, you won't find out what's wrong with the church. When you talk to him, you won't find out what's wrong with your mother-in-law, your dog, or your cat. You'll find out about how wonderful his Savior is. For me to live is Christ. He becomes the moral compass of the soul. I grew up with so many rules in church. We had a rule for everything. 
didn't bother me a lot because I was a Christian. And when you're right with God, rules don't bother you. And so I, I did it, didn't matter. But you know what's a better question? When you don't know what to do in a situation, ask these questions. How will this help to show others that I treasure Christ above all else? Instead of some little rule, just think that through. Or how will this show that I treasure Christ as supreme in my heart? Uh, How will it help me display Christ? The Bible says whether I eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Uh, Your dress. I grew up with dress codes in church. Uh, We told our women how to dress. We told them what they could wear practically. Well, there's no dress code today in church. Uh, We used to call them clothesline sermons. But you know what? Uh, Think of this when you get dressed in the morning. says, what would glorify Christ with my body in the way I dress today? What would show uh, boys and girls, men and women, that I treasure Christ, that I'm not using my body as a seductive instrument, but my body will be used to magnify Christ. That's for me to live is Christ. This week I had a a little situation. It's it's minute. It was a 27 cent problem. But uh, I went to a gas station and when I, I got the pump, to put it in. Before I even got in the tank, it rang up 27 cents. Well, that just ticked me off. But man, I haven't even squeezed it yet. And uh, So I go to tell the guy, no, you owe me 27 cents. I gave him $20. I was going to fill it up. I said, well, I, I want to get it, but you already wrong. I haven't even done it. He, and then the guy went on to talk to us. And then I went back out, tried to get it going. And it wouldn't go. And I had a beep, 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 beep. I owe, you owe me 27 cents. I went back in. I said, give me $19 and so much change back, and I'm not coming back. And the place was filled with people. I had every right to do that. I was ticked. And how many of you resonate with my spirit right now? <laughs> yes, I knew it. You're guilty. So what in the world? Trying to... I, and I told that guy, I said, if I'm going to steal something, I'm not going to come down here and steal 27 cents worth of gas. I'm going to bomb the tank. You know, let's make it count. Come on, 27 cents. Loosen up. No, he wouldn't. I said, give me my money. And he finally gave me the $20 bill. And I said, and I will not be back. Come to Valley Bible next week. <laughs> you need Jesus. You ought to meet my Savior. He makes you happy. He gives you joy. Now, I think I was right. But it was not good advertisement for God. I lost an influence over a $20 bill. Well, over 27 cents. But I felt good as I walked back. Don't mess with the Bishop of Hercules. Don't mess. And then God said, did you glorify me? Lord, why did you bring that up? They saw Jesus. Jesus cleansed the temple. Yeah, but he didn't cleanse the gas station. You know, so I got my way. I think I was right on an issue, but I didn't do it the way I think he could have been advertised. How I could have magnified. How I could have shown his wonder, his gentleness, his mercy. 
And that will conclude our time today here on Truth For Today from Valley Bible Church in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. As we close out our broadcast, we would invite you to join us for worship here at Valley Bible Church, and we would also invite you to stop by our website and take advantage of added resource materials we've made available through this ministry. You see, as we come to you on a daily basis, it's our hope and desire that you grow in Christ, that you find yourself sustained by His grace through the teaching and preaching of His Word. Along those lines, we've created Truth For Today Radio, which is a website that contains a lot of other extracurricular resource materials that you can add to your relationship with Christ as you seek to grow in Him. We also have information about who we are, what we believe, and worship opportunities at Valley Bible Church, where this broadcast originates, here in Hercules. We have directions, we have service times, all of it. It's available at truthfortodayradio.org. If you would like to contact us by phone, you're welcome to do so at 855-833-9864. Again, that's 855-833-9864. As always, you're welcome to write to us. The address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. We would also ask you to prayerfully consider partnering with us, not just prayerfully, but financially as well, as this broadcast and the many resource materials available along with it are available as you link arms with us financially and prayerfully. Our goal and desire is to minister to the greater Bay Area, and we can do that more and more as you link arms with us, again, financially and prayerfully. No gift is too small, no gift is too large. And whether it's a one-time gift or monthly gift, it's all appreciated, and your prayers even more so. Reach us at truthfortodayradio.org or call 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.